You are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things in the wide world of sports. Here's your KLSU sports team. Welcome into the Hodges Huddle. I'm your host, Andre Champon, and today I'm joined by Nathan Messina and Jaden Smith. How are we doing today, boys? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Yeah, can't complain. Doing good, man. Glad to be back on, on the Hodges Huddle. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good myself. I cannot complain. We got a good bit of topics to discuss this week, so let's hop right into it. Starting off with college football and LSU, they retained the golden boot with a win against Arkansas by a score of 34-31. to Jaden Daniels started off slow on the first few possessions then had a stellar performance after the interception. He threw for 320 yards and four touchdowns. What did you see him fix in his game to allow him to pop off after the interception? Nathan, let's start with you. I mean, for me, it wasn't even necessarily about what he, like, fixed to say. It was more about just the fact that he didn't let it rattle him, like, even in the slightest. I feel like I feel like JD5 just does not get enough credit for being one of the toughest players in college football, both physically and mentally. I mean, he's after that pick, it was like he was just even more locked in. It's like almost – it feels like almost nothing phases him at this point, which is what we heard from – you know, all the other players during camp and stuff like that is that nothing phases this guy, and now we're finally seeing that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, <clears throat> I don't really think it's anything to overthink here. It's just uh, they definitely picked up the pace a little bit, and I kind of like that. I like that they weren't just like, okay, we're just going to, you know, dial it back, take the offense out of your hands a little bit, because usually I think they try to ease him into the game, and I think after that he was just like, all right, I'm going to just go all in, but – yeah, that's what I like to see. Uh, he just kind of got right back to it, and you really almost forgot it even happened. You know, he played so yeah. well the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, I, just, I saw Jaden just look way more comfortable with his receivers in terms of kind of anticipating the routes that they were running. I think we also saw him use his legs once after, like, the interception, which kind of allowed him to kind of spread out and play his own game. Um, yeah. But the first few drives, like we said, they were shaky, but I was impressed in the deep ball, especially in this game. We, I didn't expect to see it as much as we did in this game. Um, but, I mean, it was look, there. At it, look at it. I mean, it, it's starting to kind of, you know, be starting a Starting to come to life. Yeah, it's starting to come to life in almost every game this season now, except for the Florida State game, obviously. But that just says a lot about this LSU offense. But LSU's wide receiver room stepped up big time in this one uh, with big games from both Brian Thomas Jr. and Malik Neighbors. How much of a problem will this offense be if both of these guys can keep it up? I mean, you saw how much of a problem it can be. LSU had over 500 yards of total offense and four passing touchdowns with Thomas and Neighbors getting all four of them. They had two each. I mean, Brian Thomas, he even had a slightly better game than Malik Neighbors. He had, like I think, like three more three yards, yards, but yeah. on like three less receptions or something like that. Yeah. I mean, and Neighbors is the top three receiver in the country right now. So that just tells you just how good Brian Thomas played. And if they can keep it up, I genuinely think they could be – in the conversation for best wide receiver wide receiver duo in the country. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, if they keep up this level of play, the sky is really the limit for these guys. Um, and to stay on topic with Malik, I mean, this guy, I think he's on on pace to win the Belitnikov this year. I think he, he's kind of got the award in his hands right now. Uh, with all that being said, I don't want LSU fans to get ahead of themselves. This isn't going to be... <laughs> 2019 or yeah. anything like that but oh, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a very good well this is a very good receiving group and it's great that now 
there all of that potential is starting to come to life and fans are starting to see it play out because we knew it was there. Yeah. We just didn't get to see it on a week to week basis. Yeah, I love the point that you make there because we were kind of just wondering, like, the talent's there. Yeah. It's just a matter of when. When yeah. is it going to happen for these guys to break out? And this offense may continue to be the best in the SEC if they can continue to do what they are as terms of, you know, Brian Thomas Jr. and Malik Neighbors. It's even more impressive how they're doing all this with safety help. I mean, you have yeah. both guys on different sides of the field, and the, and the safeties are helping almost every play. So if other just just think if other guys like Chris Hilton could step up and guys like Aaron Anderson or Kyron Lacey. Kyron Lacey, yeah, like you said, it's going to be nightmares for yeah. these SEC defenses if those guys can kind of just tr- contribute in any way possible. I mean, I know we talked yeah. about the tight ends, but I mean, we got to utilize them a little more too. Yeah, especially 100%. Aaron Anderson, man. I have I've been high on him since he was at Edna Carr, man, and I am really anxious to see him just get a little bit more involved in that yeah. offense. I saw him get a little play. I uh, picked up like 9 yards against yeah. Arkansas, I think it was, but yeah, a little jet sweep. Th- yeah, a little yeah. jet sweep. This but that bro, that guy is fast, bro. I mean, like mm-hmm. 0 to 60 and Kyron Lacey, too, man. Kyron Lacey got a, a a good bit of targets last year. Just feel like he didn't make the most of them. But yeah. I mean, man, it's just only a matter of time before he gets he gets clicking as well. Yeah, and just kind of a follow up on the next one. Do you think they keep it up? Do you think it slows down a little bit, or do you think they're gonna just keep going full throttle? I mean, I don't see why not, man. the The rest of the defenses you're facing aren't outside of like Alabama and A and M. It's it's not really that intimidating. Yeah, yeah. I I I think so. What do you think, Jake? Uh, so last season, um, typically they would have a good game, and then the game after that, they wouldn't really play up to that same level. But now I've seen them do it. I mean, I don't know if we want to count Grambling. Yeah, twice. Grambling with then Mississippi State and then now. So against two SEC schools. So clearly they've shown that they can do it. They can do it at the highest level at the against the best competition. So like Nathan said, man, I don't see why not. Um the time to stop is not now. I mean, you, yeah. you're already on the roll, so, you know, keep going. And, and LSU's defense had some troubles uh, defending the pass at times. Was this more so a DB issue, or was it more so the pressure not getting to the quarterback on time? If it's a DB issue, then what has to be fixed? I mean, it definitely was not a pressure problem, in my opinion. Yeah, we had four sacks. You had four sacks and six tackles for loss. I had zero issue with how the, the, uh, the front of the defense performed. The DBs were just bad this weekend yeah he gave up 289 passing yards and just I mean the guys were just getting toasted constantly even even Andre Sam who had an outstanding night I'm Great not game no disrespect to Andre Sam but I mean just it, he got burnt a couple times man mm-hmm. like out in that open field you'd have somebody it was usually like a run play or something like that but he's supposed to be the guy yeah, to make angles. that tackle. his angles were very bad yeah exactly he's supposed to be the guy making that tackle in the open field he's the safety that helped and he just he was getting juked out man <laughs> Yeah. What do you think, Jade? Yeah, I agree. And we talked about this on the show Sunday. Uh, some of this was just a skill issue. Just, you know, they didn't do their jobs. And then some of this, even when they were out there, it was just a technique and fundamental issue. They're not turning yeah. their head. Yeah. You know, they're not looking for the ball. And when that's happening, man, you're going to get toasted every time. And every then time. aside from that, you got your eyes in the backfield. We gave up a we gave up their last touchdown like that. Yeah. Had, had their eyes in the backfield. That's one of the first things they teach you because – if your eyes are in the backfield, that's going to happen yeah. every single time. So uh, it's just more so something that they're going to really have to correct and practice, and they're just going to have to break those bad habits. Yeah, and you make a great point. I, I mean, it's like, how are you supposed to make a play if your head's turned <laughs> to the receiver? I think it's a little bit of both. 
And this is why. I think LSU has to do a better job of going after the ball if you're a defensive back. Obviously, I think that Denver, Harrison, Deuce Chestnut are those guys that kind of struggled to do that this weekend. And like like Jaden said, they played with their head turned all game. Yeah, I would rather see you go out and make a play on the ball and try to get the breakup than give up the t- the touchdown or big play without even looking. Yeah, like I, I just don't like the no effort. Yeah, it, it yeah. just it's just I'd rather see you go for the ball than just yeah. watch you if get you get, scored if, on. If you get mossed going for the ball, then I mean, you know, it's like it's a great play. Yeah, bro. GG, but, make them beat you. Yeah, exactly. But when your head is a turn. You almost giving the receiver a free shot at the ball, yeah. pretty much. And I'll say this. I think as far as sticking to their guy, they did exceptionally well. It's not like Arkansas wideouts went out and got crazy separation on these guys yeah. all night. Like I think they did a very good job of staying with their man. It's just turn your head. Yeah. Make like those every now things. and then. Yeah. It's it was, okay if you was, lose a few feet on them. It was the big plays is where, where they were giving it up. Yes. It was exactly when you did them not to give it up that they did that they did and it was third downs yeah the third downs were bad but let's let's go to the positive side now on the defense what guys stood out to you on the defensive side this week Andre Sam uh he set the tone right out of the gate uh just really blowing up that play on first down Mm -hmm. and after Jaden Daniels threw the interception he says you know not so fast goes to get it right back the very next play so stuff like that is what you'd like to see and uh I think that really sent a big message to Arkansas like okay, we're not going to get out of here that easily. Yeah, I mean, Andre Sam was easily the best player in the secondary uh, this past weekend. And I even I predicted him on the tailgate show for our, we do our weekly turnover pick. Yeah, yep. And I picked Andre Sam, and he got me my interception. And then he also had seven total tackles. And aside from what I mentioned earlier, just about him getting you know toasted a couple times in the open field, he looked like a dog, dude. He played phenomenal zone. Yeah. If you go back and you watch the tape, yeah, he had some bad angles on a few plays. That's gonna happen. He's bad. He's getting put back at safety. He's been he's been fine with making an open field tackle as a cornerback. But when there's that much open space, he's gonna <laughs> miss a few tackles, right? Yeah. But to me, what stood out, I think the linebackers played phenomenal all game. Greg Penn, man, Greg Penn did so good in coverage. But not only in coverage, the man had a sack. And he's a coverage linebacker. I mean, Harold Perkins in his role, he did really great, too. I I thought also besides a few plays, like we said, Andre Sam, huge difference maker in the one, you know, the one way that he played zone. And then he anticipated the throws. He he got to the guy when he needed to. Um, But moving on to other college football games, Alabama defeated Ole Miss by a score of 24 to 10. This was a must-win game for Nick Saban and company. Yes. But was it impressive to you, or is Ole Miss just doing what they always do in terms of underachieving? Look, man, I said Alabama was going to win this game from the jump, and I was right because this is just one of those types of games that Nick Saban will always win and Lane Kiffin will always lose. It was just one of those ones with the media hype around it and everything. Everybody was dunking on uh, quarterback play. Quarterback play. They were dunking on Nick Saban saying the dynasty's over, like, I don't know how people haven't learned this yet. When you count Nick Saban out, that's when he comes right back, and that's exactly what happened. As far as Ole Miss, this was just, I think this was their year. This was their chance to beat Bama. This was Lane Kiffin's, his, his, the best chance I think he'll get at Ole Miss, and I I genuinely mean that. Sad, too. Yeah, and, I mean, classic Ole Miss fashion they underachieved. Yeah, I agree. I think this was more about just – Ole Miss blowing it again, and it's almost like a big brother, little brother type of deal. It's just honestly at this they, point, they just yeah. they can't get over that hump. It doesn't matter how good the team looks on paper. 
something always comes up, you know, when they play against Alabama. And really, it seems like that for every team, but especially like that for Ole Miss. So yeah. uh, it didn't really surprise me. I I picked Bama to win. I wasn't even really that hyped or excited for this game, to be honest with you. But, yeah, that's kind of what I got from it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's a little bit of both again. I think that, um, you know, it was, in a, it was pretty impressive for Bama to go out and play how they did after playing so horribly two weeks ago. But then again, let's look at Ole Miss. Ole Miss was bound to go and lose a game that was hyped up for them. They go out and do it every single year, and I don't even know why the AP voters give them the time of day. It I, happens. It happens every year. They go into like SEC play, yeah. ranked in like undefeated like the top 10. or yeah, one loss. They're always like top ten, top fifteen, and then of course every single year they lose that first SEC game, or I think maybe they played one before this, whatever. But like they always end up losing that big game when they're yeah. like top ten, top fifteen. Yeah, I don't understand how people aren't like seeing the pattern yet. Yeah, and as for Alabama, I thought they did a way better job of executing on offense, especially when they had to. Um, but for this old Ole Miss team, what do you expect from them? Mediocrity um, for the rest of the year, or are they going to stir the pot up next week uh, with LSU in town? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they stir the pot up. I mean, it is a home game, and and they're playing you know, bad. Yeah, they're playing bad, and uh, they could be looking to take out a lot of that frustration from that Bama loss against. Uh, LSU and this is not an easy game for LSU by any means so I just want to put that out there but I think LSU gets the job done but uh, as far as making things interesting I still think they can make things interesting just because the SEC it doesn't have that dominant force like it typically does I mean maybe outside of Georgia but their schedule is pretty much irrelevant to the rest of the yeah to the rest of the conference so I think they can still make things interesting look man I expect mediocrity from Ole Miss every single year and Every single year, they have not given me reason to expect otherwise. I mean, it's the same thing. That being said, I think this will still be a very challenging game for LSU. Yeah. I mean, this is a big rivalry. These two teams hate each other. Like, they're both going to play really hard. Like Jaden yeah. said, they're they're pissed off after uh, losing to Bama. Like, this will still be a really tough game. Yeah, and, and for this week, like I said, like both of you guys said, I think I expect them to go out and play kind of mad, you know, give LSU a hell of a game. I don't know if they will win, but they for sure will go make it, you know, close. I think Ole Miss being at home helps, but as far as the rest of the season goes, they're going to go out and lose another game or two that they're not supposed to. It's just how it is. That's the Ole Miss way. They're they're fine with it, too, because why? Because we have Lane Kiffin as our coach, and that's good enough for them. But Jalen Milrow passed for 225 yards and a touchdown this week. Does he have to do more for Alabama in order for them to win in the future? I just think that's a, about what you can expect from Jalen Milrow at this point. I don't think it's going to get much better. Maybe it will, like, a little bit. It'll honestly maybe, if anything, it'll get worse, in my opinion. Yeah. But it's going to be about that that kind of level of performance. He's just not good, like, flat out. He's not that guy. Um, but if he can keep up this, like, medium kind of decent level of play and Jason McClellan can keep running for 150-plus yards like yeah. he did on Ole Miss, then – Alabama, they'll do all right for themselves. Yeah, I think um, if we're talking about winning and being successful as far as a – well, it's a Bama, so it's always going to be as far as a national championship. I'm going to say no. And that's just because I have yet to see a team win the college football playoff championship without superior, over-the-top quarterback play. I've yet to see it. And and I, I don't see him being the first to do it. 
Uh, but as far as, I don't know, winning their side of the conference, winning the SEC West. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, like Nathan said, I think if he can stay around this level and not turn the ball over, you know, give them way more possession, time of possession than the other team, then yeah, they yes. can, they can, they're going to win some. They're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, that's a good point. Time of possession. I mean, keep your, you know, keep your offense on the field as long as possible. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he has to be as great uh, if Alabama keeps on up on defense. Uh, that defense they have is really talented, and for them to win games, I think you just need consistent and efficient quarterback play. I think there just has to be execution and just some sort of spark there. Um, but it, it doesn't have to be much more than what he did this weekend. But did Alabama win you back that trust this weekend? No. Like, absolutely not. Like I said, Jalen Monroe is still bad. That didn't change over the weekend. And he's the best quarterback. We saw that against USF. I, I Like I said, if they can keep up the run game, the defense, I think they'll finish – Ten and two, maybe, maybe nine and three. I I like that. Yeah, they didn't win me back. Uh, the game it didn't teach me anything that I didn't already know. So exactly, yeah. And, and I don't. I would say not entirely. They don't give me too much trust. I think they're a better team than what people were giving them a lot of criticism for. But yeah, there's still there's still like concern in the offensive line, wide receiver. There's no sparks on that offense. There's no one that you look at and you're like, wow, this kid can go out and get you know. 200 receiving yards one weekend. Yeah. I, I know McClellan can rush for that, but the offensive line has been a problem. Yeah. It's not like you're going to go and rush for 150 every week. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but another college football game that did not disappoint, if you love defense, was the Ohio State and Notre Dame game. Ohio State, on the last play of the game, gets into the end zone on the goal line where Notre Dame only had 10 men on the field on the stand, which could have helped a stuff. First off, what do you think of this? I mean, this is just pitiful. Look, dude, I said on the tailgate show on Friday that I am not high on Marcus Freeman. And this weekend, he proved me right yet again. Notre Dame fans have insisted for, like, what, a year and a half now that they're so much better off with Marcus Freeman than they are with Brian Kelly. And they laugh at LSU at every tiny little mishap. And here we are, and Marcus Freeman can't even put enough players on the field on a game-ending play. The former defensive coordinator... Can't even feel the defense. Like, what are we even even talking about? And then what made, made it even crazier to me was when you tried to justify it afterwards by saying, oh, I didn't want to get a penalty by putting the guy on late. It's the last play. It's the last play of the game, which that's it's crap for two reasons, dude. First off, you're already inside the one. So it would have been half a distance to the goal line. Yeah, what would it have mattered? Ex- it would have been half. You would have had to stop him anyway. Exactly. It would have been half the distance to the goal line. Which, so what? It gives them like two extra inches? Like, that wouldn't have mattered. And then, you're better off with a complete defensive line. Secondly, you only had ten men on before you called the timeout. Then you call the timeout, you go back out, and you still only have ten men on. What kind of disaster class is that, (laughs) dude? So, you know, while while Notre Dame fans want to sit here and, and... laugh at LSU with with Brian Kelly, they can keep having 10 men on the field and we'll keep winning the SEC West. Yeah, this is just, this is embarrassing. Like, this is pitiful. This is, I'm saying, this is a little league YMCA mistake. I don't, I don't even, I'm not even sure a YMCA coach would do something like this. Like, what do you mean you didn't have 11 men on the field? And then like Nathan said, he tries to cover it up and just give some type of excuse and Oh well, we didn't want to get a penalty. No, like, that's dude, not what it was. You called grow the time. Parent own up. To yeah. It. yeah, you you made a mistake. And look, I can't blame the man. Like 
I don't want to be known as the yeah. guy that Stuff yeah happens. I did that, but yeah. you're the coach. Like yeah. if anybody Own should up. should have ownership, it should be you. Yeah, and, and first off, it was ir- irresponsible in the first half, flat out embarrassing for Notre Dame because as far as getting into the playoffs, you had to win this one, and something as simple as that gave you a chance, and you blew it. Yeah, you blew it like all, that. All you had to do was have a shot at the playoff. To have a shot at the playoff was, was win this game, and, or just at put home, a, put an extra man on the field at home. I mean, Christ, one second, one second, absolutely ridiculous. I just. The whole drive, the last drive was pitiful from Notre yeah. Dame. First, you can't let them convert a fourth and eight. Yeah, let's, no, not yeah, with thirty seconds right left. There. Yeah, but let's just let's talk about this now. Does this show that Marcus Freeman isn't ready yet to to compete with the big boys? Okay, so I Here know we I just went on this big old rant yeah. on Marcus Freeman, but you do have to give him credit where credit's due. This team has improved since last year. They do look better, in my opinion, and he had. Better. Credit, they look better, and that's you know he's a second year head coach. You got it. Better is, is a good thing, no matter what. So, they, he still had an incredibly competitive team. With they had a really really good game. Yeah. Against Ohio State, who was also a really 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 good team. Yeah. Things like just ten guys on the field. You hope as 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 a Notre Dame fan, you hope that that's you know it's inexcusable, but you hope that that's part of like being a new young head coach and that he'll grow out of those mistakes and things like that but true does not look good man yeah you hope it's that's as low as it gets if yeah. you're if you're Notre Dame I, I'm, I'm gonna let you go first let's yeah go. I think this is just this is a growing pain uh I they're not gonna make that mistake again yeah. god forbid but yeah I think um look I'm gonna say as far as the big boys go those coaches are not sending ten men out on the field. Yeah. I'm I'm just going to put it to you as simple like that. I mean, you you can't make a mistake like that. that this is yeah, and, and it shows. Look, you have to learn your situations. Yeah. You have to know what's going on at all times. Hold the guys accountable. I know that it wasn't just strictly your fault, but that's your that's your coaches. That's yeah. your that's your defensive coordinator. That's your you know that's everybody. That's everybody. You know your defensive line coach. These guys are communicating at this point, and they're not just simply counting every play. You should be kind of like it doesn't. It's every play. Like yeah. counting to eleven is not that hard. Um, I was never high on Marcus Freeman, but Notre Dame has seemed to kind of stay at where they are in terms of success. They they've never been able to win the big game, and, and this kind of proves it. Now that they have an elite quarterback, they still can't do it. And they blamed it on Brian Kelly, and here they are. Doing the same thing. The same in, thing. In year two without Brian Kelly, they still can't win the big, game, big yeah. game. Yeah, so for, I mean, Ohio State down the line, will they beat Michigan and Penn State? These are not guaranteed wins. No. Look, Ohio State? <laughs> okay, well, look, I do think they beat Michigan this year. Really? I do. Mm. The last time Michigan beat Ohio State three years in a row was 1997. I just, I just don't see it happening. I mean, this is the biggest, most heated rivalry in college football and I just I don't see Ohio State losing three years in a row. As far as Penn State, I I actually I like the Nittany Lions right now. They had a good showing yeah. against Iowa. They haven't been, um, but they haven't beaten Ohio State since 2016. I think maybe they can pull it off this year, but yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think they lose to Michigan. I just think I don't think the whole 1997 thing is like I get it. It's almost like too good to be true because before mm-hmm. last year. I think they put up a graphic of like their all-time record. 
And I was so used to seeing Ohio State win the matchup year in, year out. I thought they the, the record was just like yep. a landslide. And I think Michigan is actually ahead in the all-time matchup, if I'm not mistaken. So that was very shocking to me. But I think Michigan is just the more complete team. I think they're the better team, the more physical team. I think they're the not the more, more battle-tested, but I just think they're a better team than Ohio State. And Ohio State has not shown me anything to just be – aware of or afraid of or anything like that. I mean, yep. Marvin Harrison Jr. is not going to – he can't win you the game by himself. It's Ohio against the world, man, and like Ryan Day said. And he's been slow. I mean, Marvin Harris can't win you a game I mean, he's had some big games against cupcake opponents. He's so. only – yeah, exactly. He's only had 300 yards so far. But this is the biggest question in the Big Ten is, can Ohio State actually beat Penn State this year, in my opinion? My short answer is no. They're not going to beat both of these teams. I think Michigan is just too experienced to lose to them this year. And I'll say Penn State and Ohio State is really a toss-up right now. I mean, you can't really I agree. You can't really look at it and say, "Hey, what's going to happen here?" But it's going to be interesting. But lastly, give me your Heisman pick through Week Four. I'm gonna go with Caleb Williams. Uh, Caleb Williams is four and zero right now. Week in, week out, just I mean, the guy makes amazing plays. I mean, yeah. I would put behind him. I would put Michael Penix Jr. But I still, it would be, it's that's, pretty it's pretty cool seeing a two time. That's who I'm winner, going bro. with. I'm going yeah. with with Andre's infamous dark horse. Dark horse, baby. Uh, Mr. Michael Penix Jr. He's playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the country right now. I mean, he leads the country in passing touchdowns, yards, and yards per game. He's second behind Caleb Williams in passing efficiency. I think he might have nailed it, Andre, with that dark hey, horse bro. prediction, man. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I I'm going obviously Michael Penix right now, but here's the thing. This guy's been benched in every single game that he's played, and he's still got still leading. He's still in all leading these in all these yeah. you know categories. And it's not, pretty amazing. Not just like in the Pac-12, in the country. In the country, yeah. It's just funny. I I think I think that he's got a good lead on Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams is right behind him, and then guys like Jordan Travis and Bo Nix are kind of in the mix. But man, Michael Penix, shout out to that guy. He's he's kind of he's gone crazy. But let's shift over to the NFL. The New Orleans Saints blew a 17-point lead to the Green Bay Packers, where New Orleans just did an awful job of managing the game. Quarterback Derek Carr also goes out with a shoulder injury. He's expected to miss some time, so let's just get right into it. How much trouble are the Saints in with Jameis Winston taking over the offense? Jaden, I want to start with you. I don't think we're in that much trouble, to be honest. For one, he sprained his right AC joint, and he's he's considered week-to-week. And they're saying it's, it's not that serious anyway. I think we're already two. First of all, we're in the worst conference in the NFL. Let's let's get that out of the way. I don't think we're going to have to be playing catch up with the rest of the teams in the conference. Uh, not the conference, the division. But I just think the team is good enough. And I've, I've seen Jameis play with these guys. So I think Jameis can get us a win or two before Carr gets back out there. So as far as that goes, I don't think we're in that much trouble. What I am worried about though is this offensive line. But yeah, that goes without saying, pretty much. Yeah, I mean this is it, it's been a it's been yeah reoccurring every week. Yeah. Look, man, it gets tiring talking about it. It does. With Jamin Jameis Winston at the helm of this offense, grab legs. I cannot understate how much trouble the Saints are in, dude. Really, dude. I I cannot stand Jameis Winston. I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it's dude. He looked awful on Sunday. <laughs> he looked. God awful. He looked like he's about to poop his pants out there. I mean, dude. they he just so threw nervous. him out there. You're you're an NFL quarterback, dude. He's thirty something years old. 
you can't be that nervous going like that's what you're there for is for if the quarterback gets hurt to go in. You can't be that nervous. Bro won a Heisman. And it's also just, he he did win a Heisman and a national championship. Like where where is that? Where's that confidence at? Exactly. It's also just clear as day to anybody watching that P Mar- P Carmichael does not trust him. Like even in the slightest. And I'm not gonna sit here and say that Jameis like lost us the game or anything, but he definitely did not help, dude. Some of those throws were like I'm like, dude, like, how did you even, like, yeah. did you lie on your job application? Like, what are you doing out here? It's funny that you say, like, Pete Carmichael doesn't trust Jameis Winston. <laughs> I don't even think Pete Carmichael trusts himself. Yeah, uh, clearly. To call plays right now. Talk, I think about, <laughs> talk about lying on your job application, bro. <laughs> that guy, <laughs> imposter. Uh, I think the Saints are in a lot of trouble right now with Derek Carr gone. Not only does this <laughs> offense lose their veteran quarterback, they go back to a guy that is, <laughs> he's shown that he, he can't really be that great for you. And without a quarterback, you saw how bad this team was for just a quarter. Now think of that for four games. <laughs> <A quarter. laughs> yeah. Think of that for four we're, games. We're basically about to watch that fourth quarter. I ain't watching for, for sixteen more quarters. I'm not watching. Four I, I'm games. Not. But four times four I, is sixteen, right? Yeah, we think it's going to be four three. games. Four games. He's expected to be out. Oh, uh, that's what they said. I don't know. Because yeah. listen. As far as the whole week-to-week thing, I've heard that from Dennis Allen a million times before, dude. I've heard Dennis, that from the Saints. I've heard that from the Pelicans. I don't even trust New Orleans medical Week-to-week week in New Orleans, is is they lie. It's year-to-year, year, bro. They lie to you. Yeah, yeah. it's year-to-year. Year. They just lie. So I, I do not care about week-to-week. Week. I'll believe it when I see it when yeah. Derek Carr is back on the field. Yeah, so you get Alvin ba- Alvin Kamara <laughs> back this week. That's the good thing. How important is that with Derek Carr out, and how much of an impact do you expect him to make right away? It's just another guy for Pete Carmichael to design checkdowns to, dude. That's all he is at this point. Without Derek Carr, this this offense just becomes so predictable. It's the exact same thing we've seen <coughs> the last three years since Drew retired, man. I mean, yeah. it's it's going to be the exact same boring, like super inefficient offense that we've seen, like I said, for the last three years. Yeah, I think um... – and again, with Jameis at quarterback, that kind of takes the life out of this team. <sighs> Like a whole lot. I think we sh- we really should be three and zero right now and just trending upward. But it should be. <clears throat> I mean, life happens. It is what it is. But I think with him coming back and Jameis as the quarterback, I think that's going to kind of change the plan of how they were going to use Alvin Kamara. Yeah. So yeah, big time. Like you said, it's just going to be very predictable now, and they're going to have to just squeak out some wins. Yeah, I think it'll help add to the Saints playbook now that you got your best player back. I mean, he's been training a lot, and so I'm really interested to see yeah, he's your best player. Alvin Kamara? He's your best player on offense. I'd say Chris Olave is easily the best player. I mean, now with what a quarterback? No quarterback, not really. Uh, it depends. I mean, you, you with saw... With Derek Carr out there, yes. You, it wasn't the one-handed catch that Olave made, a throw from Jameis? It was. No, no, that was no. from Carr. It was from Carr? Was yeah. From Carr. Okay, still, though, yeah. I still think that Olave is your best player. Look, I'm just interested to see if it's the same AK we have. But he will be an immediate impact as yeah. far as helping get downfield and, and just get some points. I think whether that's in the passing game or on the ground. But we're going to move on to the Miami Dolphins. They defeat the Denver Broncos historic fashion, scoring the most points in Dolphins franchise history with 70. Could have broke another NFL record. Uh, with a field goal, it's already hard enough to score 35 in this league. But, I mean, 70? I would like to say I'm not a fan of Mike McDaniel not kicking the field goal. Yeah, I, I thought like it was kind of corny. He, yeah, he was he's classy. He's, he's, it's he, not classy. Dude. You, you've put up 70. You put up 70. Classy went out the window 30 points ago, bro. <laughs> 
classy is gone. <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, at that point, it's more disrespectful to not kick yeah. the field goal. They have you should have kicked it. Fifty-six points already, and decided to throw a bomb to Chosen Anderson. So, like, dude, there was, that wasn't a classy. Was no, gone. No. That wasn't guess, about class. I guess you're right. But what is going on with the Broncos? Does Sean Payton even know what he's dealing with? I think Sean Payton is in way over his head. And yeah. I don't I don't think he really understood how bad the Broncos were. <laughs> I think he walked in thinking, I'm Sean Payton. I'm going to be able to change this thing around. And He thought, I'm Sean Payton. Yeah. I'm about to bring Marquez Calloway, <laughs> Adam, <laughs> Adam Troutman, <laughs> and the whole, the whole squad over here, Will Lutz. <laughs> yeah, bro. I don't... Yeah, I don't know I just what think, he's doing. Yeah, he just – I don't think he realized how bad they were. No, I man. honestly think that's what it <laughs> and, was. And like you said, Jane, he's in over his head. He we, All we heard about was how burnt out he was in New Orleans. He goes to Denver, brings almost the exact same team. He took all the worst players that he put on the <laughs> New Orleans Saints with him. Yeah, he took our baggage. Thanks, bro. And Yeah, exactly. And if he stays in New Orleans, he's 3-0 and right now. I genuinely believe that. I believe that, yeah. too. If he – now he's in, in Denver with Russell Wilson – who is burning down the kitchen, and <laughs> you're 0-3, and you just lost in historically Historic embarrassing fashion. fashion. I mean, he's like I said, he's in over his head. I think he just wanted to prove that he could go be good somewhere else, you know, without yeah. the Saints front office or whatever. Yeah. And like I said, he took all those crappy project players that he had that he drafted and got in UDFA because that's what Sean Payton does. He thinks he can just fill talent or fill holes in the roster with Past like players. Past players and late round draft picks, and he can just plug holes, and it'll be fine. And it's just not how it's going to work. Bro thinks this is NCAA fourteen, and that he's finding gems. Like, exactly. Let me tell you, Sean Payton, Marquez Callaway is not good. Look, here's what I think. I think the Broncos are just not good or talented whatsoever. They have a few guys on both sides of the ball, but no one can just carry them with a few guys to work with. I think Sean Payton, like you guys said, thought he was better than he thought he was, and this team shows exactly that. Um, and the worst part about it is he came in talking all that trash about Nathaniel Hackett, and now and then, yep, look now at look at him. He's got a, a two games. Nathaniel Hackett was two and one last year in the first three games of the season. Sean Payne is zero and three against trash teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as well, not trash. Well, teams. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean. The first two teams that they played. Yeah. But as far as scoring seventy, the Dolphins have obviously got something brewing in Miami with this team. Will they keep it up, and should we start considering them as a favorite for the AFC East? I think the East and maybe even the AFC, dude. Yeah. After I mean, after this weekend, they look like the best team in the AFC right now, and it's I'm not going to say it's not close, but it's like they're distancing themselves a little bit with this win. What do you think, Jade? Yeah, I think um, if you're the Dolphins, like you say, you got to think past the division. I mean, they look – they are really explosive on offense. I mean, yeah. you got Tyreek Hill, you got Jalen Waddle, two thirteen hundred yard plus guys, and two attack of Iloa, I forgot to mention. So especially if he stays healthy, I mean they they look like they were gonna do something special last yeah. year. And I think Tua having those concussions and all those injuries kind of just took the life out of him. But I think this year, now that he's healthy and you pretty much got the same guys back. You'll get Jalen Ramsey back yeah. what, around week, week six, week seven. I think even that's gonna, maybe yeah. week five maybe. That'll improve yeah. the defense. So, yeah, I think AFC East is the least of their concern. Yeah, I, I think the Dolphins should have got more love from the beginning of the season where people kind of just counted on the Bills winning that one. And, yeah. and, and now you have the Dolphins dropping 70 points without Jaden Waddle. 
So I think they're going to go and keep going forward as long as they can kind of stay healthy where they have talent so many places. Mike McDaniel has done a really good job of pulling this team together. Um, you look at how they were last year, not so great uh, in terms of you know scoring like this, but I have to give him credit where credit is due. I, I haven't been a Mike McDaniel stand, but he's kind of showing me. You and me dumped on him at the beginning of the did, year. We did, And yeah. look, that does not change the fact that he's yeah, a cornball, yeah. but <laughs> he's he's a pretty good coach. He can do his man. job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And he knows how to pull a locker room together. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's young. He knows what's going on with these guys. But let's move on. Finally, we're going to talk about the Bears and the Chiefs. The Chiefs look back like themselves on offense, scoring 41 on the day with Taylor Swift in attendance at Arrowhead. So serious question here. Are the Bears even going to win one game this year? <laughs> I, dude, I mean, yeah. I think they'll luck their way into one, luck. maybe two wins eventually. Yeah. But like, they are by far the worst team in yeah. the NFL, and it's not close and I just, it really is possible that we see him go 1-16 and 16 or like 2-15. and 15. Yep. Yeah, I just, I think they'll get one just because I just, I can't imagine a team going 0-17. Like I just, That's a lot. I can imagine. That's it. a lot of. Especially if you're the Bears. That's a lot of consecutive losses. It is. Just, man, you don't get tired of that? Like, I just. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. They're getting paid either way, I bro. I just, yeah, I just can't imagine a team being zero and seventeen. I think if the Bears are lucky, they will win two games. Uh, with the way they're playing right now, coaching staff atrociously bad, players <laughs> atrociously bad. Besides Justin Fields and DJ Moore, for this team to Justin, be this mind. bad, I think it's quite impressive to be this bad. Honestly, it's <laughs> yeah, like man. it's like here you go, good job, baby. Let's tank. But then you already have a quarterback, so it's not like you can go out and tank for somebody like you know not. Oh, <laughs> I'm I'm. All for the Bears dumping Justin Fields. Yeah. You think so? Get I him think out Justin there. Fields is better than what. Nah. You know, he, I think his coaching is they, just awful. They're in position to get the number one pick right now. They could have oh, they Caleb are. Williams instead of. I, I Justin get that. Fields. I yeah. get that. But then that. I, like, let's talk about this now. What's it going to take for the Bears to fix their franchise? Well, going away from yeah, the short draft. answer. Yeah, yeah. Give me I, a short answer. I think they just need new ownership. They need mm -hmm. complete rejuvenation of the franchise. It's well, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Nope. Maybe probably not ever. Their their current owner is Virginia McCaskey, who is she's one hundred years old. That's their current owner, and she's like this hundred year old matriarch of the McCaskey family, and they've owned the Bears like forever. Like they hold the record for like longest owned franchise or something like that. It's like it's, a queening. Queen Elizabeth owned like Manchester United. Yeah, or exactly. Something like it's that. it's so I don't know what the Bears are gonna do at this point because that's what they need is new ownership. Yeah, they need new everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is that, new, it's as simple as that. A new team, a new city. <laughs> city, <laughs> oh, come city's on, crazy. Man. Come on, city is crazy. You cannot say team, you need to move city, the Bears out of Chicago. Coaching staff. <laughs> no, but uh, seriously, I think. You got to get Justin Fields out of there, bro. This yeah. Justin Fields is and is bad. He is missing. I think he's good. No, he's just not good with no. this team. He's he's not a good quarterback. He's he's missing too many throws. He's sitting in the pocket way too long. He's not processing things fast enough on the field that you would like to see out of a guy that. Look, if I'm gonna pass up on Caleb Williams for you, you better be at least be able to hit an open target in the end zone. Yeah, yeah. That's all I'm saying. So I think. I think it starts with the front office. Obviously, you have to stop hiring guys that are just not capable of fixing your team. <laughs> Next part is drafting. They they did not do a great job <laughs> of 
filling needs in the draft like they thought they did, and, and the talent's just not there. Yeah. I mean, so it starts with that, and then the players are just not going out and being competitive from the jump. Like I said, they're just showing up on Sunday. Why? They get so paid they don't guns. get fined. Yeah, yeah, so they don't get fined. So with Travis Kelsey back, will the Chiefs kind of cruise for this season, or is there still kind of some questions for them? I mean, they they obviously looked a lot more like the Chiefs that we're used to this weekend, um, but it was against the Bears. And obviously having Travis Kelsey back is a big True. part of that, but I just don't know if I'm quite sold yet. But I also will not be surprised when they're back in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got Patrick Mahomes, and um, I feel like as long as you have a quarterback duo like Mahomes and Kelsey, you'll have a puncher's chance just because – they're just they're that good. Yeah. But as far as the offense, I think it still has questions. <clears throat> I haven't seen Kadarius Tony be the breakout star I thought he was gonna be yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like Nathan said, the Chiefs always seem to find a way to win a lot of games that they probably shouldn't even win, but teams typically make mistakes and Mahomes is the a master just capitalizing at things. Yeah. So yeah, I think they'll find their way. They're gonna make the playoffs and Again, from playoffs, it's anybody's game. I mean, experience yeah, can win right. you games. Teams make mistakes, injuries, anything. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they were back in the AFC Championship. Yeah, and I think the Chiefs could be decent this year. With everyone healthy, they're still Andy Reid's Chiefs. And no yeah. matter what, they will find ways to win. But the talent drop-off from last year is, is really apparent. It's it noticeable. Yeah. And, and I just don't see them being as dangerous as people think. Granted, they're going to still go and make the playoffs, be a higher seed, but then they're going to lose a game you know, to a really more, you know, complete team I, I don't I don't think it's going to be close to that but since we're on the topic of Travis Kelsey I have to ask man I have to ask what do we think about Taylor Swift and the K- Travis Kelsey relationship look bro y'all buckling because I got yeah I got go. an opinion uh, on dude, you this, have a okay? book written over there so, so look man like at first I thought this was like the most annoying thing ever and I still think it's pretty annoying yeah. like dude I got a video saved on my phone of me scrolling through Instagram and it's four straight videos of the exact same video in a row from four different accounts of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey walking through the hallway, not even holding hands. They're literally just walking next to each other. Like, I do not care. But now I've discovered like a new a new facet of this whole Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing that I am very much enjoying. And that is Swifties trying to learn about and talking about football. And it is generally one of the most like entertaining things I've ever seen. Because for whatever reason, Taylor Swift fans, they have to like place themselves into Taylor's shoes and just act as if every single one of her life decisions is one of their own decisions, yeah, right? Yep. It affects them personally. It does. It does, which is an obsession like I have never seen before. Yeah, I saw one post like, um, so you know how Travis Kelsey got into a fight. Oh, during I'm going to get tra- to that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get to that. Just you wait, Jay. <laughs> he, he has receipts. I've got receipts, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, this might take a little while. So, like I said, of course, now now that Taylor's dating a football player, right, all the Swifties, they're forcing themselves to try and learn about football, and they're doing all their research on, on Travis Kelsey so they can further understand exactly what's going on in every waking moment of poor Taylor Swift's life. And let me tell you, dude, it is pure comedy. Let me read you some of these tweets that I've seen, dude. <laughs> so we'll start off with the one, Jaden, you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Trigger. This is from a, a Taylor Swift fan. Trigger warning, assault. <laughs> a video from July of Travis Kelsey aggressively punching his teammate during practice. This guy clearly likes to use his fists when he gets angry, impatient, agitated. And F you if you think you don't have a right to be concerned about this man being with Taylor. So she thinks that Travis Kelsey, because he got in a, a 
a fight well, with his teammate. Here's what I have to say. That he's going to beat her. Shardy, Taylor does not know you. Like, <laughs> Dude, Taylor don't know you, dog. It gets better. So here's here's a Taylor Swift fan explaining to her followers on Twitter how football works. <laughs> football explainer for those confused. You have four tries, downs, to go 10 yards. If you do keep the ball and the cycle repeats, and if you don't like the other, and if you don't, the other team gets it. You can score touchdowns for six points or kick a field goal for three. That's basically all you need to know. So then another Taylor Swift fan has a question, and she says, 10 yards being, which... Uh, like what? 10 yards being asking, what? She's asking what 10 yards is, which I don't know if she skipped third grade <laughs> Like, do I need class. to take out the ruler, the yardstick for this? And the response to that was a picture of a football field that says, each one of the giant numbered lines on the field is 10, 10 yards apart. So... That we're that far into it that they're having to explain. Is she still what, lost? Well, oh, no. dude, Boy, I don't know, bro. <laughs> there I, cannot be. More. I really hope that cleared it up. And this is here's my my Last magnum one. opus, bro. So this is you know Taylor Swift fans. They a lot of them. It's it seems oh, to be a no. common theme that they get into the astrology thing, right? Uh, Let me read this to you. Since Travis Kelsey's birth time is not known yet, give me time. Here is Taylor Swift's birth chart with Kelsey's planets on the outer wheel. His Libra sun and Mars boost her 11th house of friendships and community. His Scorpio Venus conjunct with her Scorpio Mars <laughs> means electricity for them both. And it's basically about three more paragraphs. All in, This is a blue check. She probably paid for this blue check just so she could write this, this essay of a tweet about Travis Kelsey and Taylor <laughs> Swift's astrology. Oh, that's bad. It's, uh, it's, but it's, it's a lot of things like that. So, you know, if they can keep this up and keep me entertained with things like this, I am all for Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift dating. Jaden? I'm all, I'm all Travis <laughs> Kelsey, Taylor Swift out. Like, I'm, I'm tired of seeing it. I don't want to see it. You know, it's not even going to be – it's no point of me even not wanting to see it because I don't have a choice. But yeah. Yeah. I am – I'm just annoyed, bro. Like, we get it. They're dating. Like – yeah, well, she went to the game. Great. Thanks. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. Thanks for that. Like, I just, what am I supposed to do with this information? Like, <laughs> I can't wait till they find the Travis Kelsey dating show that he was on. Ooh, that'll yeah. be no. that'll be interesting. I will say, bro. If no man, if this <laughs> oh, doesn't, I hope you know. I hope this works out between them. Because, oh, I do too. I, if I, this I, doesn't work out, it's gonna be so much media coverage behind. Boy, it. I can't wait for that Taylor I Swift cannot. song. Oh man, I've already seen on TikTok like what <laughs> Taylor Swift will write. After Travis Kelsey breaks your heart, people are and, funny. And I dude. was like, "Dude, this is so funny." <laughs> but personally, after seeing all of this on social media, I was pretty surprised. I, I don't think I don't see it something like lasting for a long time, in my opinion. So Swifty, don't come after me. I, I don't see Taylor Swift to be like Travis Kelsey's type. But what do I know? Obviously, I'm just just a guy. What is very interesting to me is that they are the same age. So that time that like lines up. But I think there's just something. That is like, really? Is this really going to work out? Like, it just, it's so, like, ugh. I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just gross. I couldn't care less if they work out. Like, I, I just... like after some point, Taylor Swift fans, don't come at me, but whatever. <laughs> is it her, like, isn't she the problem after all these men she's been with and she still can't find the one? I don't see this working out. Look, bro, I that's just... famous last words right there, bro. Taylor Swift fans, don't come after me. Yeah. That's a just... death wish. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's wrap that up. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, what, what what's your closing I just remark? think it's just, I don't think it's going to work out. I'm not even sold on this being 
a legitimate relationship. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just Jaden thinks it's an industry plan I think relationship. Is, <laughs> they're just trying to use this to distract us from something else going on. <laughs> oh no. I don't know, but what if they got I'm not sold, bro. Jane stayed on two TikTok too long <laughs> last night. I'm not gonna read it threads, bro. <laughs> yeah. I'm he's not diving deep bro. in the tiger droppings right now. But finally, who is your poo-poo Broussard of the week? This is my favorite part favorite. of the week. Jaden, let's start off with you. Who's your poo-poo Broussard of the week? Travis Kelsey. Oh, no. <laughs> Travis Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, we might not see Jaden again either, dude. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I'm going to go and say Marcus Freeman for me. For a coach to try, like, to not try and get his last substitute on the field, what was going to be the last play, like, no matter what, like I said, makes no sense to me. You get the penalty, whatever, you had to stop them. But don't go out and make excuses to why you didn't have 10 guys. I agree. Yeah, there's there's a lot of great candidates for this week's Cooper of the Week. You had Deion Sanders. Um, yep. You had... Shiloh Sanders. Too. Shiloh Sanders. You had Yeah, oh, talking about smack, he was yeah, crazy that was, for that. That's a bad look. You could have had <laughs> Sean Payton, the grown man. That's too easy, you know? That's, that's too easy. That's too easy. He's definitely a good candidate. Could have had Pete Carmichael, like we talked about earlier. My poo-poo Broussard of the week is going to be Kirk Ferentz, the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes, for anybody nice. who doesn't know that. Came out a while back that in his contract, it says that if Iowa does not average 25 points per game this season, he's fired. No shot. Yeah, that's like an actual thing. The Iowa has to, uh, they have to average 25 points Why per game. Why do we not know about this? Or else his contract will expire on June 30th, 2024. Wow. So if he doesn't average 25 points per game, he's done. After this weekend's shutout loss against Penn State, <laughs> the Hawkeyes are averaging 21.3 points per game. So not only is Kirk Ferentz my poo-poo Broussard of the week, he's on probably the hottest seat in in American sports. Well, that's a great way to <laughs> wrap up a podcast, man. That sucks for him. <laughs> yeah, um, for him, man. They better get rolling. <laughs> they better start scoring some yeah. points. So that will do it for us here today on the Hodges Huddle. A big thank you to Jaden Smith and Nathan Messina for joining me today. I'm your host, Andre Champagne, and this has been the Hodges Huddle.